So I did not ask permission to use names, but I did meet somebody this morning who has the best tattoo I've ever seen. And I took a picture of it. Um, <clears throat> it is a frog. It is a frog. And it does say Jesus underneath it. I don't think the frog's name is Jesus. But the reason I took a picture is because, once again, my husband is awesome. But, and... He doesn't like tattoos at all. Like, he hates them. No offense to you tattoo people. Um, luckily, I've never wanted to get a tattoo, so we're fine on that topic. I, I, I always said, I don't know if there's anything I really want on my body forever, but I'm changing my mind. So I did take a picture. I will be taking the picture home to my husband to scare the crap out of him. Yep. Yep. Just send it to him and then let him just stew on it until tomorrow, right? That's a good answer. I'm going to do that. Yep. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Rachel's worried. Oh, she's worried for my marriage. I should listen to my friends. Okay, I'll get back to you on that. We'll make some decisions. No, the, if you care, I care. The Dodgers went into 18 innings last night. Yeah, they won at 12.30 or so. No, 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 so they won. So, so I can send him the tattoo? Yes, but if they lost, no way. No, you're right, you're right, okay. <clears throat> okay, I'll keep you posted. All right, <clears throat> we do have a topic that we're going to engage in, and the topic is grief. And I want to lead us through this topic with a series of questions that we get to just keep talking about. Um, in a variety of ways. And my first question I think is obvious. Who the heck wants to get good at grieving? Right? Who the heck wants to get good at grieving? Grieving in its essence. There's some, there's some brave people here, but grieving in its essence is all about pain. And so kind of to me, the obvious question is like, why do I want to get good at this? That's kind of my, one of my gut reactions, to be quite honest. I mean, you probably have some other reactions in the room when you hear the word grief. And I think some of us have probably developed some really good strategies around how we handle grief. I'm going to suggest a couple of them and see if you can relate. So the first strategy would be, if I ignore it, it will go away. Right? That works for lots of things. Don't pay it any attention, and then it goes away. Strategy number two, if I can control my life well enough so that I can prevent painful experiences, then I won't have to grieve, right? Good strategy. Yes. Uh, strategy number three. <clears throat> okay, so I'm a little more evolved than that, and I know I need to get good at grieving. So I'm going to get really good at it, as in efficient, uh, it's going to be tidy and not messy. I won't have to bother you with my grief because I'm so good at it. Okay? I, I've got some head nods here. You're relating. <clears throat> strategy number four, and Kara mentioned this already in her talk, but strategy number four would be, as I get closer to Jesus, I won't have as much grief, right? So I get to live life abundantly. I get to live in greater freedom. True. And so that's going to mean less pain in my life. 
maybe not true. But <clears throat> often we hear the message from each other and uh, from a variety of sources that I shouldn't be sad. I shouldn't experience depression. I shouldn't feel this way because I love Jesus. So four common strategies that we, I think, tend to employ. You can probably think of others. Um, when it comes to the area of grieving, and yet we read a passage this morning that I think would probably help us argue against some of these strategies. And I want to point to just uh, four lines from that passage. For everything, there is a season, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. I don't hear anything that would suggest avoid or ignore. I don't hear figure out how to control grief. I hear there's a season and grief will happen as well as joy. I also want to remind us of the words of Jesus. I think he's arguing against some of our preconceptions of what he thinks about grief because he said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of God is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So <clears throat> we get to ask some questions about grief today. And my next question that I want to pose is, why is it important to learn how to grieve well? Once again, I want you to be asking these questions on your own, uh, maybe uh, jotting down some notes that come to mind in a journal or in your booklet. One thought I have about this is that unprocessed pain is destructive in our lives. Unprocessed pain is destructive. <clears throat> One of my favorite authors is named Richard Rohr, and he writes so well on topics like this. And he had a series on suffering, and so here's a couple of things he said about pain. <clears throat> All healthy religion shows you what to do with your pain. Did you hear that? All healthy religion shows you what to do with your pain. With the absurd, the tragic, the nonsensical, the unjust, and the undeserved. All of which eventually come into every lifetime. Richard says, I am sorry to admit that I, I first see my wounds as an obstacle more than a gift. But... If we cannot find a way to make our wounds into sacred wounds, we invariably become cynical, negative, or bitter. This is the destruction. If we do not transform our pain, we will most assuredly transmit it. Think about that. We will transmit it usually to those closest to us, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, and invariably the most vulnerable, our children. We shouldn't try to get rid of our own pain until we've learned what it has to teach. When we can hold our pain consciously and trustfully, we find ourselves in a special place where we are open to learning and breaking through to a much deeper level of faith. We must, we must all carry the cross of our own reality until God transforms us through it. Our unprocessed pain is destructive emotionally, relationally, I would say physically. You probably all have experienced unprocessed pain in your stomach, 
in your head, in your back, and elsewhere. So this is uh, a compelling reason to learn to grieve well. And secondly, and alongside that, similarly, I would say that healthy goodbyes make room for healthy hellos. Our unprocessed pain takes up a lot of space in our lives, takes up space that could be there for what's new, what's next, what's being transformed. And so healthy goodbyes allow for healthy hellos and grieving is all about healthy goodbyes. So my next question would be then simply, what is grief? Let's, let's start with some definitions here that could be helpful to us. Um, I found another blog that I appreciated on this topic. It was called griefrecovery.com, I believe. And they have daily blogs on grief. And they had quite a few um, really helpful insights, including two definitions that I want us to look at. The first one, grief is the normal a natural emotional reaction to loss or change of any kind. Now, I, if you're a note taker, don't feel like you have to write it all down because we're going to find ways to get you some of these definitions. But um, I want you to normal up. I want you to look at um, and notice some key words here. First of all, grief as being normal and natural. So pretty important words here in this conversation that we're having. Then, <clears throat> reaction to loss or change of any kind. Okay, this might be already breaking open some things for us as to how we've boxed up what grief is or should be or needs to look like. Loss or change of any kind. Second definition. <clears throat> grief is the conflicting feelings caused by the end or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. Let's pay attention to the phrase conflicting feelings. Let me give some examples and then I'm guessing you can come up with some examples of your own. So you send your kid to school for the very first time. There's joy, excitement, freedom, and there's tears, fear, Oh my gosh, my baby, right? Conflicting feelings. And a piece of that is the grief in the change, the loss of a season. Another example might be a new job that you wanted, right? But it's throwing things upside down in your life. You had to say some healthy goodbyes to say some healthy hellos to something new. The existence of something you wanted and it's hard and there's some loss, and there's change in it. How about getting married? Okay, for most of us, that was something we wanted to do, right? Uh, and there was so much to look forward to in that, and on that day, everything changes. There is loss in that. There is change. There is actually grief in something beautiful and exciting and something that I chose and I wanted. For me, um, the season is empty nest, and I thought that by year two, I'd be really good at this, um, <clears throat> and there is such great joy. My kids, I'm celebrating what they're doing. They're rocking it. This, is, this was part of the plan, right? They're supposed to leave. I'm excited about that, and it's really hard. I'm still grieving things that I hadn't even expected. 
Um, we had a moment at the dinner table the, uh, this summer. Both my kids were home. And so it was sweet to have them back. Um, and just the chatter in the house, um, just the relationship that continues to grow. And there was way more laundry. I had to grocery shop again. You know, all of those annoying things. But uh, one night we ended up sitting at the table, the four of us, to have dinner. And it was one of those moments of like, wow. And I said it out loud. This isn't going to happen very many more times, actually. Not to be fatalistic, but it's true. My son is planning to get married in the next couple of years. He's got a serious girlfriend. There's going to be five of us, which is great. And there's a grief. This isn't going to happen very many more times. These are the conflicting feelings. This is grief in our lives. And I'm guessing you can think of plenty in your life. So um, in my mind, the next question that is begged here then, and I want you to take this question with you and keep thinking about it, asking yourself, asking each other, so what is grief worthy? What is grief worthy? I think sometimes our inability to grieve well happens because we've already judged something as grief worthy or not, okay? It's not this serious, and so I don't need to be grieving this, right? And yet the definitions we saw were normal, natural, uh, what was the, oh, change of any kind, right? And so checking our judgments about what we deem to be grief-worthy or not. And thank you, Kara, for sharing your story, because here's another example, right? My dad wasn't even good to me, but I'm sad that he's gone. What is grief-worthy? So we need to check ourselves <laughs> and allow a normal natural process to happen and watch our self-talk on this because often it's going to sound like that's not a big deal somebody else has it worse I shouldn't the word shouldn't ugh. always watch for that word right I shouldn't be feeling this way so let's keep challenging this idea of, of what I've deemed to be grief worthy maybe what my culture has deemed to be grief worthy and let's ask the emotionally, spiritually healthy question of what truly deserves attention and God's attention as he brings comfort and healing to the places of pain in our lives. All right, so let's now talk what does healthy grieving look like then. And I have four words that I want to offer us. And this is not a checklist. This is not an equation. I wish I had all of those things to offer. These are some big ideas that we can embrace. And these are not just about how to grieve well. These words are actually how to respond to any emotion that rises in us, even the unpleasant ones. And I would say especially the unpleasant ones. So the first word would be to recognize. To recognize when grief is present and to call it for what it is. So noticing symptoms in your life that might give you some hints, like the stomach ache. I don't know why I feel so just ee. Or the anxiety that you usually don't experience. Or, man, I've been sad for quite a while. Could I be grieving something? Or I've been really cranky lately. <laughs> Could this be a symptom of grief? Or 
topics that are really hard for us to talk about and we're holding extremely close. Could that be something I'm grieving? Or something I can't stop talking about, okay? Recognizing, calling it what it is. Was there a significant change or loss in my life? Was there an everyday change or loss in my life that I might be feeling just that twinge of grief, recognizing? Now, second to that, this is going to sound like maybe the same thing, but I don't think it is. Once we recognize it, then we get to validate it, okay? Sometimes I'll recognize it, and then I'll go to those same messages. Oh, but it's not that big of a deal. I shouldn't feel this way. This is where we get to say no to that self-talk and go, hey, I'm a human that has feelings that God gave me for a reason, and he gave them to me so I can process life in a healthy way. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to allow space for the sadness, for the anxiety, for whatever the symptom is. I'm going to validate what's happening. I'm going to say, yes, I did experience a loss or a change that's causing some pain. So validation. Validation also happens together in a community as we create culture with each other instead of trying to fix each other quickly so we don't have to have these feelings we get to validate hey could you be grieving something in this i had a friend do that for me this week um i was talking about something that was kind of hurtful and annoying to me and she kindly said are you allowing yourself to grieve that loss and i was mad at her because i knew i was supposed to talk about this and be the expert on this Days later, and that really ticked me off. Um, and an opportunity to put this into practice in my own life because um, I didn't want to go to grief. She validated it for me, made me able to validate what was happening. Um, third word for you is the word engage. So, so far, recognize and validate sometimes can just stay in our head or in our heart, and it needs to get out somehow. And so finding a way to engage your grief, and I have a couple of ideas, and then in your groups, I'd love to hear for you guys to talk about more ideas of what this can look like or has looked like for you. Um, one would be the simply journaling. Just getting words on a piece of paper is engaging with it. Um, and maybe even uh, some people have suggested a grief journal where you're just giving space for the losses and changes in your life. They have a safe, brave space to exist. Um, other ideas for engaging. One would be simply, are you setting aside time for grief? Or do we keep so busy that it doesn't actually literally get space? Um, artistic expression can be a great way to process grief if, if that's something that you enjoy. Um, painting something, a poem, a song, getting it out um, in beauty and art. And then also finding ways to have ceremonies, memorials, or even just a symbolic memento that says, yes, I remember, and I'm saying goodbye, and I'm validating, saying it's okay to grieve this loss. And so I'm going to memorialize this in a special way. And then uh, my last idea is simply talking to someone. That is an engagement process. And so then the fourth step here is that. It's reaching out, not grieving alone. 
And in some cases, our griefs are so complicated and so layered that it is the best thing to find a counselor, a therapist, a spiritual director, a pastor that you can process and reach out to. Often, our dear friends are good ears as well. But reaching out and not doing this alone. Recognize, validate, engage, and reach out. And the reminder, and we kind of already talked about this on the couch today, but grieving looks different for every single person. So for some, it is you're going to go to the prayer path today, and you're going to use all the art supplies and get it out in color. And for some, it's you're going to walk on the beach, you know. For some of us, grieving comes out in tears and in lots of, you know, feelings. And for others, it's very quiet and it's very personal. For some of us, the grief process continues at, at a lull, and for others, it comes in spurts and surprises us. The grief process looks different for everyone. And in different circumstances. Thank you. I just heard a little whisper. Yeah. Yeah, it is going to look different in each circumstance from the everyday griefs and losses. You know, those are going to be different ways of grieving those to the tragedies that need quite a bit of time and space. So my last question, I believe, is, but why is this so hard for us? And there's a lot of different ways to respond to that question. But I do want to point to one specific reason that this can be so hard for us. And that is that often our religions, our families, and our cultures give us messages that are contrary to this idea of recognizing, validating, um, engaging, and reaching out. So messages that we have received growing up from each other, from our culture at large, that say things like, first of all, simply don't be sad, right? I'm uncomfortable when you're sad. It kind of throws everything off. You know, you come home from school as a kid and something sad happened to you, and everybody's trying to fix it right away and make it all better, right? That's a message of don't be sad, okay? It's throwing things off. This is not part of the plan today. Another message um, that you maybe have heard is be strong, be tough. That's the goal, right? We gotta, we gotta grow in strength. Yes, strength's a good thing. Alongside learning how to grieve well, that develops strength. So be tough, be strong. That's a message you might have received. Another one that works against grieving well, uh, keep busy. Keep yourself distracted. It'll be fine. It's, that's kind, it's uh, kind of a piece of the ignore it. It'll go away, right? Just keep, keep distracted, keep busy. You'll be fine. Another message is the way that you should ha handle grief is to replace the loss or fill it up. Right? Replace it right away. You lost a friend, go get a new one. You lost your dog, get a new one right away. That'll make it better. You, um, you're feeling a sense of loss? Let's go shopping. Let's go eat some chocolate. Not all bad things, but if that's your one strategy, <laughs> helpful, but not the one strategy. And the last message that I think sometimes... We, uh, we need to watch for is just trust Jesus. Yes, trust Jesus. 
not just trust Jesus, okay? So here's a message that I want to leave us with as we're thinking about grieving well, and the message is from Jesus himself. Melissa, are we crashed back there? Oh, look at that. Awesome. So from Psalm 34, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from their troubles. Whoops. It's crashing. That's all right. Does anybody have Psalm 34 handy? Oh, <laughs> it's in your books. The Lord just trusts Jesus. Thanks, Anna. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. We've all received messages that are different from this about grieving. We've actually probably all given each other these messages. We've probably given them to our kids. And so we get to go back to Jesus and say, what do you say about suffering and pain and grieving? And I'm going to read it again. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. He is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And so even though I often don't want to, let's all get good at grieving together so that we can be that healthy religion that helps us process the pain of real life. You in? Okay, me too. All right, friends, come on up to the couch. I'm taking Stephanie's spot so we don't become creatures of habit up here. Oh, That's good. I probably would have gone there. I know, I know you would have. <laughs> okay, friends. <clears throat> I'm going to pose a question here. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the unhealthy ways that we have um, tried <laughs> or strategies to process grief in our life over the years. If you can think of some examples... That would be great. Uh, for me, I'm really good at the ignore it and the control it. And when you put those together, they're magical. Just kidding. Um, <clears throat> I try it over and over again. Um, but I do. I notice that I do do the self-talk of it's not that big of a deal um, and kind of try to analyze and rationalize why this might have happened. Um, and then it inevitably comes out, it leaks out eventually. So that strategy is not working for me so far. I am definitely of the control it. Uh, you said to be able to prevent pain. Like if I'm doing a good job at life, I can prevent pain in my own life and I can prevent pain in the lives of people around us. It's one of the reasons that the quote that Melissa gave us about Brave Space was so touching to me because that, that line of, I am going to wound somebody. Um, I don't like that at all. If I could, if I was being good enough, I could prevent any of this. Nobody who knows me should have to grieve because of me. That's a lie that I process with that's really hard. 
Similarly, I think I fall into the try to avoid it at all costs. So um, for me, that looks like I mentioned that I am looking for the black lining, not the silver lining. Um, that means for me trying to think through everything that could go wrong so that it doesn't go wrong and so that I don't have to go into grief. <laughs> uh, I, by nature, am a pain avoider. And so avoiding pain is my jam. I really like avoiding grief and pain and hard things. And so I typically uh, avoid that with busyness and um, with comparison. So there's always somebody who has it worse. And that is a, a, a default mode for me. Like my pain isn't as much as so-and-so's pain or my pain isn't as, like I have a house, I, I have a home. like. Just by being in America, we're, we're in the top 6% of the entire world for wealth. Just by living in America. So that Trying is, to talk us into like, not is, grieving here. <laughs> Come on. But I, feel like, but I feel like that's the yeah. thing. So then I can avoid it because it's worse for so many people all over the world, including friends and family that have it worse than I do. So I just always find a way to let comparison wiggle me out of it. So what has been, I'm going to start with you, what has been <laughs> Jesus' invitation to you? Because I am someone that wants to, like, just run away and not deal with it. And the only way through grief is through it. And so I've been invited to sit in it. I've had a similar invitation, and um, one of the ways that I have come to understand that a little bit is uh, if you and I physically touch a hot stove, we have an internal built-in reaction. It's a reflex and we pull away from the stove. It's for our safety. But we have the same reflex emotionally that when we draw near to our pain and it starts to hurt, we have an internal emotional reflex to pull away and, and, and to get busy or to distract or to numb. I mean, my way is is Amazon Prime and, and movies. And uh, the other night it was Downton Abbey for forever because I didn't watch it when it was a real show. And so I watch it now. Um, but we, 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 we divert to these other things and it's our, it's our emotional reflex away from pain. And so it really does take an intentionality to sit with it long enough to recognize it for what it is. If I can't name what it is that I'm grieving, it's going to continue to fester inside of me and influence me and, and come up in ways that are hurting my children or my friends or my coworkers, and it's coming out, and I don't even recognize what it is, and it, it takes stillness. Um, Dear friend Laura Lee Friesen said it this way, that if, if our life is a pond and we're just swimming and flailing and moving, uh, we have to sometimes be still so that the silt can settle down at the bottom and we can see what's really present in our pond. And so sometimes it's the stillness of sitting and not, and really intentionally not entering that emotional reflex of just whatever it takes to get away from the pain to let that pain teach us. Daph, do you have any thoughts on Jesus' invitation to you into grief and what that's looked like? I think a big part of his invitation to me in grief is to 
um, invite other people into it. And part of that is to invite him into it. Um, but you talked about things we've learned uh, about grief, messages we've heard. And, and to be honest, I'm not sure where this message came from um, and when, but I think for me somewhere, I learned that people don't wanna listen to me about, talk about hard stuff that, that I don't, I, if I'm going through something hard, I don't need to share that because I don't wanna, I don't wanna put that on other people and I don't know how to articulate it well and so I just don't wanna talk about it. And um, I think Jesus' invitation to me is to allow people into the places that aren't tidy yet. And um, for me, that's hard because I'm not a verbal processor. And so to allow people into the space that I haven't processed myself um, is challenging. And it feels um, unnatural to me. And, and I... There are times when I need to process on my own, but there are times when what I really need is to allow somebody into it and have them speak truth and to have Jesus speak truth um, in those moments of grief. A little side tangent here, but <clears throat> as we're talking about the messages that we receive from family, religion, culture, and other voices, um, I, I, I wanna make clear, I don't mean this as a blame, um, because we are family and religion and culture, right? We're uh, participants in this. And so to me, it's more of a challenge. How do we change culture? How do we recognize the unhealthy messages that we, yes, we've absorbed and we've been given, but we also transmit um, often unknowingly. And so let's become more aware of this and let's change it and let's speak the different message. Let's live the different message. Let's live the invitation of Jesus into grief. And so I don't want us to be blamers about that. Um, I want us to own it <laughs> um, and change it. Mm -hmm. So that's my little diversion there. Um, as you think about the concept of uh, grief worthy, did you have any thoughts on things that maybe you have um, judged as not grief worthy that you want to maybe um, change your thinking on or embrace? I'd never really pondered that concept um, until you started asking some of those questions. Um, so it's still newer to me. Uh, every year I ask, this, I ask the Holy Spirit for a word. Um, that's just kind of a rhythm that we have in our house as a family and individually and just a word to pray over our kids um, for them to walk in and own for Jeff and I um, individually as well and it was like November of last year and I was already kind of asking the spirit and I kept hearing the word grief and I was like heck no <laughs> that's not my word for 2018 and um, then in December somebody preached on it and I was like nope and then, like, later on, it just, kept, it just kept coming up. Like, I'm, again, running the opposite direction. Uh, and it, it started out the year, because my dad didn't pass away until June. And it actually started out with learning how to grieve hopes and dreams. Um, things that I want 
or things that I feel like God has called me to or things that I feel like God has gifted me in. And I didn't know that that was worthy of grief. And I don't think if that kind of was my word for the year, I really don't think I would have interacted with it in that way or understood that grief is only attached to the, the death of a loved one. So like when I hear people say I'm grieving, I'm like, well, who died? Like that's my automatic response. And maybe it's just me, but maybe you can relate to that. So that so the idea and concept of like my hopes and dreams that are near and dear to my heart that aren't happening or won't happen, um, that has just been really, really helpful for me this year. And it is new and I think I tend to measure and compare, and that is how I kind of avoid it. So now even in this, I'm like, oh, wait, we don't get to measure and compare grief. Like, we all have grief on different levels for different reasons, and that's okay. And so I think God has really revealed gently and kindly and persistently to me that um, that that definition of, like, anything change, like like not the typical, like there's a change in something that's, rhythm pre predictable or you know and there's a change in that that there's grief involved that's that's very new um but i feel like it has shown me what is worthy anything anything that's close to my heart that's not happening i get to grieve it it's been really helpful I feel like this year for me has been a lot of change i started the year in one job and i I'm in a different job at this point. I started the year in one home and I'm in a different home now and in two weeks I'll be in a different home. Like just <laughs> moving and new job and transition and um, and change is not easy for me and I think as I've processed that and talked to good friends about that, um, I've landed in the fact that, that those things require me to grieve that um, that even though there's good in them and there's joy in them, um, there's grief in them. And so um, I've found that just some of those things that feel like simple changes, this shouldn't be a big deal, um, I've had to grieve. <laughs> I wanna say I've noticed <clears throat> when I'll ask you how you're doing, I love how, how honest you're learning to be. And it's not Eeyore, like you say you're Eeyore, but you're really good yeah. at noticing the joys and the griefs because um, you'll say, man, this has been hard and there'll be tears that will well up in your eyes and you still can notice the joy of the new. And so I'm proud of you. I'm trying to figure out a way that to say this to let you into my mind that isn't super confusing, but my mind is super confusing sometimes. <laughs> so we're just going to try it, okay? But if I feel like something is somehow my fault, then it's not grief worthy because really it's that I'm, I did something wrong or at the core I'm bad that something's wrong with me. And so instead of grieving what's going on, I'm blaming myself and, I'm tr and, I, and shame rises up and I'm trying to hone in that perfectionistic um, control it prevent pain, I wasn't able to prevent pain, so my path isn't that it's grief worthy, it's that, and, and I'm learning. Um, it, these guys are all great for me because they will reflect back to me. Laura especially would say, Jennifer, are you being kind to yourself right now? 
Um, how do we have, especially in this area of when I've made a mistake, maybe I've even sinned, how do I humbly walk with God and say, God, show me what is mine to own and confess and repent and change from, but don't allow shame to come in with its overarching voice of, yeah, see, I told you you were just so bad. This whole thing is your fault. Like, how do we walk that? And so for me, that is a piece of this shame, uh, this grief puzzle because of how deeply my recovering perfectionism impacts me. So if I feel like it's my fault, it's not shame. It's not grief worthy. Another thought that's coming to mind as we're talking about this. Um, <clears throat> so Kara here is the pain avoider. Um, and God's asking her to sit in her stuff. And uh, I'm the opposite. I'm really good in, at sitting in it for a super-duper long time, actually. She's a poop dweller. I am a poop dweller. <laughs> yep. And I mean that with love. I'm good at it. And respect and admiration. Yeah. Yes. It's one of my skills, but it, which means sometimes, um, sometimes I don't know when the grief process is over or how to actually... Grieve so that you're actually saying goodbye. And that's a part of my learning journey is that um, you do, there is closure. There is a, some point at which you're allowing the hellos in because you are saying goodbye. And I don't have any great tips for you on that because I'm not good at it yet, but just a recognition that some of us, that's where we get stuck. Um, not that we can't get into the grieving process, but that we actually can't ever get out of it. And so let's be on that journey together, too, of what does it look like to actually be able to say goodbye? Well, and Laura, I feel like you've already given us some of those tips in what you talked through with Engage and those four words that you know better than I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Go but, to the prayer path this afternoon. You'll learn. Right. So a you have picture. You quiet, though. <laughs> You have to be quiet at the prayer path. Yep. So a picture of that, that another counselor actually gave me, um, and I don't know if I can talk with a microphone and show you at the same time. So can you hold this yeah, one? Yeah, I would love to. Okay, so we have a tendency to get stuck and we loop. So we're looping here and we're stuck. And the process that Laura told us of, would you say the words again, please? Yes, I will. Um, In the microphone. Recognize, validate, engage, and reach out. Right. When we walk those things, what happens is we're still looping, but so let's loop this way. We loop over here and we loop over here and we loop here and eventually it's, it's gone. But we were processing. So as we talk with people about it, as we engage, as we give ourselves permission for it, we're moving it through. Even though it feels like we're in the same cycle, we are actually moving it along and it is on its way. Um, but sometimes this process takes longer or shorter. Mm -hmm. I would also say, um, remember, I, was that for joy or grief? I don't even remember. It's all tied together. She <laughs> yeah. said it earlier. <laughs> earlier, when Stephanie was talking about the Old Testament, remember, 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 I think that that ties into grief and joy both as well. Because in relationships, in friendships, sometimes when we can't remember, those people get a step in the gaps for us. And I think that that is maybe a tangible tool as you're, as you're like, okay, maybe I am someone who dwells well in grief and I'm trying to kind of get out of that. Or maybe I'm stuck, stuck so to speak, in a place of joy because I'm avoiding pain and I'm, it's actually not joy. It's just not healthy. <laughs> um, not that I could relate or understand that at all. But like if that happened, um, it's so helpful to have community 
to have a trusted friend or a spiritual uh, director or a pastor or like my counselor is incredible like she I she's so safe she's safe for me she really is she's just safe um I get to be brave there and she's safe and I love that and she can't tell anybody what I tell her she's legally bound (laughs) you know what I mean like to me that's like there's something beautiful about that um and I would just say that I think in community and in friendship and relationship or whether it's counseling or pastor or whatever, there is something great about that person being able to step in those gaps for you sometimes to be like, wait a minute, you actually are coming out of this season and here's why and here's where I see it. And actually you're doing way better than you're giving yourself credit for. So so stop being mean to my friend or I'm going to punch you in the face, you know, like... <laughs> That sort of a thing. These two do threaten to punch me in the face actually quite often because I'm being mean to their friend because my self-talk is negative. And I feel like that's what you said earlier, Stephanie, about remembering. Like, we get to remember for each other. Mm. We get to remember for each other, and it's beautiful. That's good. I, um, I recognize that as I've walked through a lot of change, and that's led to grief in me over this year, I actually had a good friend who was also a counselor. Um, as we were praying, um, just kind of helped me recognize that um, that as I grieve, it leads me to gratefulness. That my that my change, the grief that I'm feeling in change, is because I'm I'm so grateful for the season that mm-hmm. I have been in and for the things that I have mm-hmm. had. That as I remember, mm-hmm. um, I grieve because I'm grateful, and so that's helped me as I've. As I've walked through that, the grief of change, um, that uh, gratefulness is actually a big part of that.